Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to episode four of the Market Makers Club. My name is Joe Waterman, and I was a 15-year floor trader at the Chicago Board of Trade. And I'm sitting alongside my buddy, Rick. Rick, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure, th- sure thing. Rick Keller, friend of Joe's, uh, career retired military, uh, Army Green Beret, and uh, worked a little bit financial services industry. And I run a um, private endowed foundation now, so I get to give money away for a living. Sounds pretty, fun. Pretty good work. Good stuff. Good work if you can find it. Actually, you know the funny thing is, you do describe things as the work. <laughs> I do. You got to get in the work. Like that's, I love it's, it. It's it's a voc- It's you know we talk about this a lot on the show about the vocational skills. You know, and and how do you apply learning or your basic vocational skills to get work done? So that's how I think about it. It's like, hey, I want to get into the work. Like it's like it's when you say it that way. You're rolling your sleeves up, your hands are getting dirty, and that's fun. Like right. to me, that's that's you know sitting around with a necktie and a suit. Hey, and there's folks that do that. It's great, and um, and I'm one of those guys too. But like on your day job, yeah, I like to wear jeans to that too. <laughs> uh, remote, yeah, for remote, remote work, and that's right. So, nah, it's awesome. And I do. Uh, it was funny. I listened. There's a, a podcast out there called The Essential Craftsman, right? And I don't really know much about the guy, right? But he's a philosopher to me a little bit. And sometimes he describes work as like light duty. He's like, ah, oh, that's light duty. If it's like doing the dishes or doing something. And then sometimes you're complaining about doing work and it's not that physically taxing. And you're like, what am I complaining about? Right. You know, that's, we were talking about that. I think our last episode too, shoveling snow or something. Right. And you're like, In my driveway. One of my, my neighbors, <laughs> like I do his because, you know, he's from Florida. He doesn't know not, too much about <laughs> shoveling snow. And I laugh at that because it's just getting at it, right? Getting at the work. So, it, and I joke around sometimes every show, I joke around that, you know, here's my friend Joe Waterman who's retired in his 40s, right? <laughs> and, and I thought about that though too because it's, because you are, but you're not retired. Retired is the wrong word to describe it. The word I would use to describe it is work is optional, right? Yeah. So you choose to occupy your work day or or night with other stuff that you maybe don't have to do in order to pay your bills anymore, but it doesn't mean you don't work. And And I think about – you know, what is the ultimate financial success, whether you're learning how to train to trade derivatives in the market makers club or whatever, right? Or you're 
single mom, you know, saving, uh, Roth IRA, retirement for a living, whatever you're doing uh, to create, you know, financial well-being for yourself over time. It's ultimately not to just be retired and do nothing. It's to make work optional. I always like that term better. Yeah, right. So like you made work optional in your early 40s and I'm still pissed off about that. <laughs> like, I'm still jealous of that. But um, I think it's pretty cool. And, and and that's also I think part of the passion that you bring to teaching the vocational skills you learned as a market maker and derivatives trading is that like you have a passion for it. So you're not giving it up. Like if you were retired from market making and trading, you wouldn't be doing it. And how do you do it? Right. Yeah. It's, <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's Pandora's box. Once you open right, it, it's, right. it's can't be unseen. Can't put it back in the box. Yeah. Mouth. Once you see that you can control the same thousand shares of my favorite stock, Ford stock, for a fraction of what you used to think you needed to do that. Um, it's crazy. It's now an additional tool that you'll think about using every time you invest or trade. And whatever that issue is, doesn't necessarily replace a a long position of stock in an account. It doesn't necessarily replace that completely, but you can't help but think about well, that's that additional tool that made that job easier, well, but made it might have added some risk to it too. So, so again, you make a, a balanced decision. But like you said, it's it's um, additional tools right. to do the work. Well, and you're already an expert in it too. So, like bringing up to Exxon and my father-in-law, right? Like he watches the stock closely, right? And he has opinions about it, even though he's just an investor in it, right? So why not learn maybe new ways to take that knowledge that you have and apply it in ways that could be rewarding also? So like maybe buying a call or buying a call spread in, in stocks that you're familiar with when they're on their lows might not be something that, you know, you can take shots or speculate that way. There's lots of ways to do it. But anyways, we always like to trade the SPX, right? Right. And I always talk about the SPX is great for beginners except for the size of the SPX is the reason why it keeps a lot of people away because it's expensive to trade. But they're so quick. Like So the SPX is essentially tracks the S&P 500. right? And there's 500 stocks in there. And a lot of retail people talk about the Dow, which is only 30 stocks. And it's heavily weighted, I believe, in banks. So it's even over-representing certain sectors of the economy and uh, it's a valid sample. Like if you really want to know what's the temperature trend over time or even in a very short period of time of what, you know, what's the weather trend today? Here we are downtown Hudson, Potpourri, beautiful, um, great folks here helping us do this work. And um, you know, like, but what's the weather trend this week? You know, the Dow could tell you, S&P is the better indicator over time of what is or isn't going on, or even in a very short period of time. So the SPX then is? It is the S&P 500. It's a cap-weighted index, and it's it's the 10,000-foot view of what's going on basically in the economy. That's the way kind of I think about it. And so it is a European-style index, which is very good for beginners because you don't have the risk of early expiration, right? So when you put on a strategy, it kind of holds up. It's also a cash settled index, right? And that's key for a beginner because uh, if you have an in the money option, it's just going to be a debit or a credit in your account versus when you trade equities, you actually get the stock. So if you fall asleep at the wheel and you 
forget about an option that you might own that's in the money that will convert to actually shares of stock and then which means you're buying those 100 underlying 100 shares, shares. times however many lots you you own you do and then and, and then you may or you, may not have that equity right and then you wait and you look at monday morning and you could be up or down a lot of money because those equities are still going to be tracking right you know wherever they're going versus if you made uh a trade in the SPX, it would just be a credit or debit to your account. That would be over and you'd move on to new trades. So that's one of the first lessons, I think, when I started um, working with you and learning from you how to do options and, and options and derivatives trading was you got to pay a little bit more attention. You don't just buy 100 shares of Microsoft or Forget Ford stock and, and mail then, it in. You know, oh, I went down, well, it'll go back up or I can dollar cost average in. Like you, you've got to really monitor your equity and understand the ramifications of, um, yeah, you know, if you're in the money, it means you're making money. And of course you'd want to execute that, but you may not want to, you may just want to take the, uh, the value of the option off, which is essentially the upside of those underlying hundred shares and not just go ahead and buy all those shares and then have, have them in an account because of the size of the account or whatever. Um, so it's, uh, but, but so the SPX is essentially tracks the index, the S and P, and I can't remember if it's like a it's an ETF, right? SPX. Well, you know, there's a thing called the Spider, which right. is an ETF right. of the index. This is I'm just going to call it a big index, right? There's the index, the SPX, and the DJX are the large indexes. So the reason why I like to get the beginners trading these things again is because they're European settlements, right? They're cash settled. Uh, the cash settled securities, and then also the expirations, right? So we can do, uh, there's Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, expir- or sorry, Friday expirations. They have AM and PM settlements, right? So there's these little details that keep a lot of the retail investors away from this product. But if you do have someone that can mentor or guide you through this, it, does, it, it is a more attractive product to trade. And one of the big reasons is for the tax advantages, right? And so- there's also ways that we can uh, get our tax rates down to like about a 20% tax rate versus your ordinary income rate when you're trading equities. But that's just a little interview of the SPX and why whenever I do meet people or they are interested in learning about trading options, they always want to talk about equities, right? And I try to gravitate them towards some of these larger indexes for the advantages and for the ease of a beginner to trade. And the one thing that does prevent the beginner from trading these things is the size or the cost that's associated with trading these things. But I've talked to you about how ways trades that we can make that we can reduce these costs. Right. Right. And then so we have the one day scratchers. So time is definitely one way where you can put on cheaper bets in some of these products. Right. And so I think our last show episode three, right. You did a one day scratch. Yeah. We were sitting here and I, for some reason just had the brilliant idea. And I think we recorded that one on a Friday, which was so cool because we actually did a trade on air in Hudson, Ohio. What's Probably the stuff? first time. What do you we, mean we oh, did? Yeah. You know what? I was like, talking. Last time I checked, that was my. Yeah, you were, to- <laughs> yeah, you were talking. No, I, I put on a, uh, it was a, a put fly. So I was looking for the market. I think it was like right around, I'm going to say 38 trade. The SPX was think, at about 3820. Yeah, I was going to say 3820, yep. right? Maybe 3815. So I did a 10.5. I think it was a 3810, 3850, 3800. So a put fly. So my that my hope, my investment was that from where I put that trade in to the end of that day, which was, I think maybe had four, three, three, hours, two hours, two, or three two hours. and a half, three hours left in the day. I wanted, 
ideally for the S and P to go from about thirty eight twenty to drop down to thirty eight zero five, so yes. thirty eight oh five, and then stop right basically a penny under thirty eight oh five, and then I would maximize that value of that butterfly. And I think I paid like thirty or thirty one dollars for it, yeah. like total. So yeah, it right. was so it's it's priced at. Um, you know, thirty cents, thirty-one cents is what it looks like. But then you multiply that by a hundred because that's right. the, you know because underlying is a hundred. This is literally a total thirty-one dollar bet to make a total of five hundred minus that initial cost. So it'd be for you know four hundred seventy-four and sixty-nine bucks. And um, and so I sometimes look at when I do those those flies. You like to do them to where you're like you you. That's the ambush, right? So at the end of the day. I need them in my kill zone, right in the middle of it, ideally, but to the left or right of it is okay as I'm setting up that ambush. And I think the end of the day, the market finished at like 3807, maybe right? 06 and some, and high 06s, right? But, and because I learned this and I made this point a second ago, it's like you got to pay attention. Well, at 1600 hours, 4 p.m. on Friday, I was doing something else. <laughs> like, and I knew I was going to be. So, and and what happens sometimes with those those as the, the the that butterfly strategy gets closer and closer to expiration, there's a lot more volatility and moving around, particularly if it's close. So I thought that thing going, and it's a thirty one dollar scratcher, right? So uh, I was prepared to lose thirty one bucks total, with the hope that I might you know be able to sell all that thing at five hundred and and you know. Or, or Somewhere in the high four, you know, in the mid four hundred would be a dream, right? And so, what you can do is you just I do the opposite order, and our trading platform TD Ameritrade right, lets us like where you can kind of say, well, if it's sold right now, and it was given me anywhere from like literally ten cents or ten bucks to three hundred and something. I was like, man, I don't have time to fool with this thing. So I think it was like an hour and a half after I placed that trade, I sold it out at um, like three hundred and twelve, three hundred fifteen bucks, and I probably did three twelve. Because a limit order because I was 12. born on March 12th. So, right. Yeah, I do that. Right. That's my stupid numbers thing I do. And, and so, you know, you, you, you're, and again, this is like, I'm not trying to, this isn't a get rich quick pitch, but it's the idea that, you know, so I made 10, you know, 10 times 31 bucks in an hour and a half. Like I felt pretty good about that. How there's you something, should. Right. And there's something, and it was, there was logic to it. It wasn't just like I went in and bought a scratch ticket. We use that daily scratchers, but there's a difference because there's, there's those scratch tickets, like the Ohio lotteries went in those, right? Like, you know, it's, it's, it's an idiot's tax. But when I'm looking at it, at the market that I watch every day that I have experience and training in, and I have a sense of trend. I'm looking at the volatility index and some other things. And I'm like, you know, today the volume's kind of eh, today. And it was like sunny out. And I was just like, I'll be damned if this, this, this market probably won't pin or close today at 3,800 even. Although I've seen that happen. But I said, I bet it trends down, but it probably just a little bit up. So that's why I picked the 3810, 3805, 3800. And I almost had it exactly right. I mean, awesome. it couldn't have been much closer. And, the, and the, the beauty of that trade also, and I thought about this, pay attention, lesson I learned from you a couple of years ago is you mentioned this SPX's cash settle, which means, and I'll let you explain, like, what if I hadn't have done anything? What would have happened in my account? Right. So 
this was a put fly, right? And we went out at 3807. So if this was an equity, right, you would have been short the SPX at 3810 because you were long that put. And then your 3805 put would have expired worthless. So you would have been short the equity at your top strike, which in this case was 3810, which is a little, little difficult to explain because it's a cash settled index. But if it was an equity settled index, well, that's what I'm trying you would to- have been short that at 3810. And then if it would have dropped on Monday, you could have bought that back in so for you just more made of a profit. This, you, you just made this more complicated. Oh, sorry. I was simply making the oh, point no. <laughs> that like I sold it because I was going to be busy at four o'clock. Yep. But I didn't have to worry because it was a cash settled option. Index. Yes, right. That it was going to deliver me whatever that value was at the end of the day, which was about three, like, well, I guess the math would be, it would have been about 360 See, bucks. Okay. Yeah. Versus the 310. It, versus the 310. Okay. So for, um, so had I just left it alone, well, you would have made about an extra 40 or 50 bucks. What would have happened is, is that would have cash settled. So what, okay, what cool. Joe was, the point you were making earlier is, is that the cash settlement options, which is what's why it's good to use those for beginners is, is you can't get delivered a bunch of stock that might make sense to own at the close of business on Friday and not and on by Monday, Monday morning <laughs> might not make any sense because you've got three days. Of, and, and this isn't like now if it's in the course of a settlement in the middle of the week, it's not as important, but like what happens, like uh, use my favorite stock Ford. What if Ford Motor let, Company, let me guess uh, that right, right. what if something bizarre or great happens to Ford Motor Company over the weekend that's going to get delivered in after hours, and it's also going to impact the open on Monday. So that's why you got to be careful when you you uh, are doing equity versus those cash settled. Let's let's flip the Ford for a second too, because I I was talking with Silently this morning, who wasn't silent at the coffee shop, but uh, and he's a big Ford fan too, and so I think I got he got that disease from me, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Ford disease, and. Uh, well, he was talking. You mentioned on their last episode that Ford stopped paying a dividend, right? Right. About you know, right when we went in the pandemic, a lot. I, I think many. I won't say most, but many companies did. They suspended dividends, right? And so now this company is an automotive company, right? And yeah. I don't even know what the multiple is for an automotive, right? But it's uh, not sexy, probably, right? It's yeah. it's a lower multiple, I would think, right? And since they cut the dividend, you know, that's going to free – they do this so that they, cash isn't leaving the company, right? And then a lot of times they would always say that like old boring companies pay dividends because they don't have good ideas, right? And the new tech companies don't have to pay dividends because they've got better uses of your money, right? Right. It's the idea of growth versus value as well. You know, and for your typical investor out there, you know, value companies just are good at what they do. Growth companies are looking for that next generation thing. So they want to – use that dividend instead of giving it to you, they want to invest it in the next brilliant idea. Right. And so with this Ford, right? Well, they stopped paying a dividend and lo and behold, what's, where's their stock price right now? Uh, and a half or something? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's bouncing around 12 right now. And like you, minus. you Ford guys, like you're loving this, right? Because right. like it's been we were buying at 10, four bucks it's like eight our, months ago. Yeah. Right? right. And so I'm just like, Hey, you know what? Maybe Ford is scratching their head and saying, maybe let's be an EV automotive company. And if we can get even half or a third of the multiple of Tesla, that stock price has got to be a lot higher, right? No, for sure. And and also, um, you know, a couple of things that have like not to go deep on the Ford 
Well, it's just an example of a typical company that might be changing right. in this new world that going we live in. Going from a value to a growth, right? going from a, uh, hey, we just bank cars to a, a technology or a other that you know they're, or they say like 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 the remote working has gotten accelerated like this well, they're the ones that that were able to you know in world war ii spit out planes Thanks. and yeah, in uh, the middle of the pandemic were spitting out no. ventilators exactly that, that in hindsight you know like, what was, a valuable company right you know there's political pressure to do a bunch of ventilators back in the spring or summer and then we come to find out that's really what you it's not necessarily the best treatment in the way that we thought it was early on but they were the ones that were able to like we're making ventilator. They're a ventilator company now, yeah. right? And um, so, yeah, the agility and 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 the other thing too. I'd say, again, not going down this Ford rabbit hole, but you know, we've had so much stimulus money geared towards your typical union blue collar hourly worker. Think auto worker. So when you're getting um, PPP payroll protection payments from the government. Well, that's one of – well, Ford Motor Company, that was one of the reasons – well, we're not going to pay dividends because we need that to to sustain our workforce. Well, the government came in and said, well, we'll help you with that. Well, what, what's Ford doing with all the money that they didn't pay out in dividends? They can do well, you know, they've had factory shuts down. So like I'm not – it yeah, wasn't yeah. like they were making money no matter what. But I don't think anyone necessarily saw the amount of stimulus that the U.S. government was going to deliver – and so I agree. Like so, so now you're not paying dividends. You've got some support from the government. What do you do with that excess that that cash on hand? And you're an um, expert in automaking and, you, you and EV multiple, cars. like EV right. and and battery technology and all this stuff has got to be the first time Ford's done this, right? And the and they've proven they've in the last year that they can pick up a new trick and run with it, right? With the ventilators, right? So here's so here's an options idea, and then we got to stop talking about yeah, Ford. right? You know if and I don't know, like we're brainstorming right now. Right. But to the listener, it what you could take away from this, and what I'm going to do, I'm actually going to do this today because I love the damn stock. I can't wait to tell um, you what I did with Silent Lee this morning. Right. Is <laughs> well, you start looking at like, well, what is a six, eight, ten, twelve, eighteen month out option? I went all the way out to to 2023 in January. Right. So and and like so, okay, go ahead. And the 20 You're call, doing what I was thinking, yeah. And the 20 call was worth about a dollar fifty or two bucks, and I was like, oh, that's a little expensive. So it didn't it didn't set up for what I was looking for. Yeah, because you were looking for something like that a fifty was maybe cent or thirty five cent, cents, right? Twenty five, twenty three cents, right? Twelve cents, yeah, twelve cents. Uh, favorite number twelve. But uh, yeah, so basically, I was trying to go as far as I could go out and buy something that looked ridiculous, right? Because if Ford moves half as far as I think it could move, right? So if this was a 20 call and Ford's trading 12 and it's 18 months out, right? Well, if Ford pops up to 18, maybe that 25 cent option goes to 75 cents, right? Yeah. So you get a triple in your value. And the other thing that you can do is not now you, now you do, you do that 10 times, you do it 20 times, meaning I'm buying one call for 20 bucks, 10 times. So now it's a $200 bet. So now it's, 200 times three, not 20 times, right? So you're sizing it. And again, you, you design a lot of your, your investments, uh, you know, your options trades, you know, you know, for me, I'm typically going from a hundred, 150 bucks, maybe 300 or, or more. And you're, 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 you size your trades for that hundred to $200 bet. And then you do it 10 times or right. 20, depending on, you know, the size of somebody's appetite. When I try to do that to prove that the average 
retail guy can still play in this high derivative financial so, so world of Wall Street. So, so we were done with Ford, but no, we're not. So we're going to back up. <laughs> now, what if we'd had this conversation six months ago when Ford was trading between six and eight bucks? We have this conversation. The call you just described is would probably ten. Cents, that would have been exactly what maybe twelve, yeah. and we would and I would have had a hard time pulling that trigger. But those are those are those more speculative, longer term, pretty safe, fixed loss, you know, fixed return, huge upside. Because if you're just buying long calls, I mean, four goes to a hundred. I mean, that that's a ten hundred thousand dollar win there. Like mm-hmm. now, is it gonna? Uh, no, right? right. But like those are the opportunities that you've taught me to look for that not only I've had great success, you know, the U S deal, we've talked about that one before had good success with, but also makes this kind of trading fun. It's speculative, but again, that's the attraction of like, I'd rather do this than scratch tickets at the at seven <laughs> eleven, right? You know, because I know I'm losing that most of the time, but this is like, I can apply Intel, like your father-in-law follows Exxon Mobil. I'm gathering intel. Like he's got an opinion. He's got one, at least one thing he knows about ExxonMobil that your average portfolio manager or trader maybe hadn't thought about. And that's part of this trading club market makers club where we're, we're, we're vacuuming that information up. And I've been on the other side of this too, right? Because like now imagine that you're, so you're, no, I, you have to have you maybe this is about where you were going to go as a market maker on the floor of the exchange like it's all about having information that it, and just a little bit faster than your competitor has right right and you're almost aggregating lots of information so you see you see like the 10,000 foot level but maybe the minute details you you you're not looking for that so much so i think that is one of the opportunities we have is like when we get into stuff like fantasy football, right, you become like an expert in this stuff. Probably even you surprise yourself how much you know and how much you remember, right? Well, the same things happens in the stock market. When these guys follow these stocks and they've had them for years and they've seen them go up and down, right, or they've seen the market change over the years, they have like valuable opinions on these names, these tickers, right? And and then we can start setting traps for their opinions, or I can teach them to set these traps or these ambushes, Right. And then, and uh, I can teach them some of the skills like scalping gamma or delta hedging, right? Yeah, that, learning learning those tools to activate that 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 maybe what isn't as broad or ten thousand foot level of knowledge, but it's knowledge, right? And there's a there's an interesting there's a Clevelander. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get his name wrong, and I might not have the story exactly right, but that's not gonna stop me from talking about uh-huh. it. Nathan Zagara. He he. I think he works for. He's a sideline reporter now. Mm. Cleveland Browns games, and. But his background is, I believe, he's a Harvard MBA. He worked at McKinsey Consulting, which is one of the world's biggest, world-renowned, uh, classic, you know, tier one, two, tier Ivy one, Leaguers Ivy, right? And uh, and and ultimately, you know, so so, and he spent, and this was in the early days of fantasy football, and he spent so much time analyzing, doing algorithms, applying his business skills to fantasy football. And and he kind of saw the advent of the growth of fantasy football. Plus, he's a Cleveland Browns fan, and he's a he's a football fan. So his hobby, and the story kind of goes. And, I, and Nathan probably calls, "Hey, you guys are you know what you you're talking about?" Like, wife came in when I said, "Listen, dude, like you got a Harvard MBA, you're McKinsey consultant, and you're spending all your time, your excess time, 
your your free time doing this fantasy football. Can't you figure out a way to make money doing that too? He did. Um, Nathan's like, matter of fact, I can. He created this this like market makers club, like Hudson Board of Trade. It was called the Fantasy Consultant. He was charging like twenty twenty two bucks. Um, I don't even think it was a month. I think it was first season. And and I was like one of like fifty or a hundred of the first people, and I got it through Patrick Charlie's awesome. dad. He said, "Well, this is who I use," and the guy sending you lineup information and those tidbits of intel that no one else had. And uh, who's the guy who's married to Demi Moore? He's an actor. Aston uh, Aston Kutcher. Aston yeah. Kutcher. He, I think, he had a relationship with him, and he basically and and fantasy went. Vegas, and now it's look at what it is, and and now now Nathan can't make any money doing that because everyone's like, That's everyone's yeah. doing it. But he was like one of the, the first. Infant, it was an infant market. Immature. He came. It was on CBS Fantasy Football Sunday morning for a while, and then and now he's local and and God, I don't know what he's doing. Like I I know well, it'd be that great he to have him on the, the podcast. Be great because it's 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 to me it's this. Here's a guy that knew how to take turn his hobby. Into, into a vocation and, and add value and then share it with other people. And honestly, it was like 20 bucks. It was like nothing right. now to get access to, to Nathan's Intel. I'm sure it's a lot more, but you could take that special information that just the average Joe has and turn it into something that's of value. Right. When I watched that financial services committee meeting in the last episode, we talked about only 13% of Robinhood traders trade derivatives, right? And I do see, even though derivatives is popular and trading day trading is popular, right? We are in the infant stages of this market, and its early adopters are still gravitating towards this. And so I look at that as an opportunity, just kind of like your, you know, your buddy um, saw that in fantasy sports too. So hopefully, you know, that works out to be true. But we'll see. Yeah. So it's a neat model of business, and and I guess the the relation of that story one is it's just a cool story, right? And, and two. It it's sometimes the answers are right in front of you and you just need somebody to say, Hey, listen, why don't you just do this? And to me, that's the encouragement I'd give you and um, the work you're doing in the school and the tracks that, you know, you try, you know, when, when, when available, we can get students tracked and say, Hey, what is it you want to learn about this? Do you right. want to be part of sort of a collaborative Intel sharing network? Or do you want to be part of somebody that, Hey, I need to learn how to use the, 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 you know, the, the hammer and the screwdriver, because I just don't understand any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, our host here today, Stephanie is maybe somebody that would be like, and I, I don't know, but like learn the basics. And then there's other folks. And I would argue too, she travels like, well, what did you see when you went through the airport yesterday? Like, or whatever, like yeah, spotting hey, trends. Okay. You're single mom. What is it that you do? Like what, what, what is inconvenient and convenient in your life? Right. And why I'm really appreciate this service or this product because it makes my walk of life this much easier. Well, that's information that like someone in Wall Street maybe does or doesn't have. And then we start thinking about it and then you find that, hmm, you know, the diamonds in the rough. I mean, that's what we're really talking about. And, you know, the anyway, so let's go. Let's go back to the one day scratchers because sure. I had a cool trade that I wanted to talk to you about yeah. yesterday. So uh, SPX was up 100 points yesterday, and that's a huge move for the SPX. But there was a stimulus that uh, is passed. It's $2 trillion, and I think there was already a trillion out there. So we've got three trillions of dollars waiting to hit this market, right? <laughs> What's going to happen? It's going to take years. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll see you. if we got that. I don't years. even have an opinion on whether that's smart fiscal policy, but 
Okay, but here's how I look at this, right? So it was three o'clock yesterday. Market was up a hundred points, right? And I'm like, you know, it's Monday, and I've seen this a lot, right? Where we're up a hundred points on Monday, and then guess what happens on Friday? Rick, you want to take a guess? Market's unchanged, right? Right. So that's that's the thought process. That's I was kind going of the through. trend this time of year. That's kind of you see that it's that's not a that's a recurring theme sort of this time or sometimes you hear that buy the rumor sell the fact right? right and then so we did get a 100 point move you know on the news of this but there was a there was a couple other big news stories that happened this weekend that could have made the market go higher too um so anyways i was looking to make a bet on the spx retracing back to its closing the week before mm-hmm. right and so i looked at a similar bet that you did for a couple hours, but I put it on for five days. And this trade is going to be the 3830, 38 even, 37.70 put butterfly. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I ended up pay- buying that for a dollar. And if we go out at 3,800, I can win $3,000 for every one that I do. Right. And so I thought that was kind of a scratcher that I was willing to bet. A hundred dollars to possibly win three thousand if the market went back to where it was the day before, and and I think that's an interesting bet. Like when a guy like you can make a thirty-one dollar bet, right, and and ten exit in two hours, like that's a valuable skill, right? And how long does does it take you to learn that skill and execute that way? You know, I um. In earnest, like it takes about 10 minutes to be smart and, and not make a mistake, you know, because a lot of times there's, you know, operator error, right? right? So, And you had a lot of background coming into this, right? True, true. But yeah, I would say, you know, it's it's weeks, not months, but months, not quarters. Like, so, so like, you know, I think two to three months with some with paying attention and some good practice and listening to somebody like you that knows mm-hmm. like the pitfalls, Um you know, this is funny. You know, the the military crew that that you know, you know, my group of friends from the military, like like every one of us was like, okay, like we started trading within like hours or days of talking to you. And you're like, well, no, 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 right? Like, you, there's a couple of my friends. You're like, oh yeah, man, I worry. I was about baby. I was about like, execution. Yeah. Um, so it just you know, but like we're the kind of guys. Come and on, I've this. grown. Give me that thing. I want to shoot it right. I, and um, but it's you know. I, I think you're at, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I think it's, it's a vocation. Like how long does it take to, to learn how to use a hammer about a minute? How long does it take to learn how to use a hammer? Well, uh, I could be, you know, a good carpenter would tell you, well, it takes a good, you know, it's, it's it might be a year or more to really get good at it. Like I'm, and how many times you got to hit your thumb, right. your finger, smash and- a fingernail off. To, to, to there's some of the, sometimes that's the, you know, pain is, is one of the best educators yeah. out there. Isn't right. It? And then sometimes you'll watch a master use a hammer and it'll just blow You're your like, mind. What? <laughs> He's exactly. using that tool in ways I never that's even it. imagined. But yeah, you know, we're going to, another thing that I thought where. Yeah. I want to hear about the, uh, the CCIV. CCIV. Yeah, CCIV that's where because... I was going. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, I learned more from this show than, I ever imagined. But right? dude, this is your show, so like you're learning. But like, by, I tell you by, what, it's it great. Is causing us to think about like, if I'm out there listening to these two idiots, like, what is it that we don't know that we can then learn quickly and then share so that they know? So just with the CCIV, right? One thing that I've learned about myself, and I've had opportunities in the past, and I probably wasn't as successful, right. you know, at these opportunities as I was at some others. 
But so in trading, there's something called a risk manager, right? And you basically were giving me risk management advice that I refused to follow. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes I Imagine joke, <laughs> sometimes I joke that I should just put on these trades and I should give them to you. <laughs> to and vice versa, right? Yeah. You know, <laughs> right? No, that's funny. So CCIV, right? This is the I spectrum. said impending doom, right? Special acquisition, uh, SPAC, so a special purpose right, acquisition which is company. CCIV, and this is the one that, if I'm remembering the trade, was uh, the acquire of Lucid, right? Yeah. And and Lucid, all of a sudden, this thing called PIPE. Oh, the pipe, yes. Up, right? So this is where Wall Street figured out a way to screw the little guy again. Little right? guy again. I mean, and it was a classic. It, it's just a classic move. And I think the way that I understand it, and to sum it up in one word, what a pipe investment is, it's dilution. Like Delusion, right. No, dilution. Like they're, they're diluting the amount of shares. Right. Uh, okay, sorry. We said the same thing. No, I got you. Uh, and so, uh, which yeah. over time might make sense, but yeah, this is the one. Like to to review the bidding here, you had, and uh, speaking of operator error, you were pounding in a nail. You hit your finger, right? Because oh, yeah. you 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 put an order. You were going to buy two, then you were going to buy three, and you ended up sending an order for twenty three. She had to quickly cancel. You ended up with eight. Eight was a great number to have. Probably would be better if you had twenty three. It was six equity investment. You decided because, like, unlike any other thing you'll do. You decide, well, maybe I want this to not cash settle. I want to go ahead and execute these calls because maybe I'm buying the next Amazon, Google, Tesla, Facebook, right? Bingo. Um, and, um, and I thought that was – I think I said to you – You're sitting in a foxhole, sell ba- two. Right. Sell he two. said sell like, one or yeah, two, like, please. Like, let's, split, let's split the baby a hundred different ways, right? Like the like yeah. biblically that made sense for Solomon, right? <laughs> yeah, okay, right. No wisdom, dumb. But like you – and um, so tell, so share what happened on all that. Yeah, so, um, so basically there was a chance for me to get out of this trade for six, six times my investment, right, in seven days – I chose not to do that. And that was a big number because you're doing an eight lot. So we're talking yeah. thousands, right? Yeah, we're, we're talking. Not- yeah, it was. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like an $8,000, probably eight to $10,000 winner on a $1,600 bet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's okay. Not selling a high. I'm fine with that. Right. But there was this like, I'm new to the space. I was getting in, like I'm, I'm learning as I go. And then I did end up trimming the position, right? So I did sell three of the eight. And so uh, I sold the three of the eight with like a half hour to go. And they were only worth $3.50 because the stock was like $52 or $53 in that range. And I had the 50 call, so I had the right to buy for 50. So it makes the decision even harder, right? Because when the stock's trading 62, exercising that 50 call makes it a lot easier because you've got 12 points of cushion there, right? When it's 52 and you exercise the 50 call, you basically have $2 of cushion. And in this volatile of a stock, that's zero, right? But the other thing I learned about this and the pipe investment that's important was I was trying to protect my investment by buying some cheap puts. So I bought the 17 half put, which gave me the right to sell this SPAC at 17 and a half dollars. If it would, if it was like, uh, calamity happened and Kevin Klein or, or not Kevin, Michael Klein walked away from the deal or whatever. And again, this is a Friday. Yeah. This right? is, so you don't know what's happening over the weekend, right? Yeah. Right. Weird things could go down. And, and well, and then if I exercise the five calls, I'm, I'm taking delivery of $25,000 of this, uh, of this company lucid, mm-hmm. you know? 
And so I did do that. I bought some puts to protect my investment. But with this dilution, it lowered the value, but the puts never caught a bid. Like they never went up in value that much because the stock wasn't because dropping. Because the math was already guaranteed. Yeah. Like we knew that that 10, I think it was about a 10%, 10% ownership position that flowed in to dilute your share, but you knew, it, but it was never going to go down to 17. Yeah, so, so they the smart, knew. So well, somebody did. So selling those puts in the future so might be a good maker, thing. Yeah. Some market maker asked Oh, I was the right? dumb money. Like you, oh, right? I right. was the dumb money. So how do you, and it's got to kill you to be the dumb money. But if I learn from it, it's all Dude, right. It's got to kill you to be the dumb money because you're like, I know the guy. I didn't know what got my was. money out of my pocket. <laughs> right. Here's what's funny about that. Like, so, so the smarter and again, more expensive would have been to have. You know, if, if your puts were in the 40 strike then range. Then they would have been good. Yeah, you'd have been like, yeah, so. Those um, are expensive, though. And and honestly, I'm not going to say I would have said this to you, but like if you're taking delivery of something at 50 bucks and you're buying puts for the following week or two, I mean, how it, far? Uh, to those? March 19th, I went Okay, out. so March. So I gave myself well, 30 well, days. Yeah, so let's do, let's do yeah. And this thing is swinging. You know, it's yeah. it's a $30 stock right now, you know, so it's but not I good would, for me. I, I would have probably, and this is where I think, the value of having these conversations and having a club of people we trust that are very different, different ages, different backgrounds that I would have told you that was too low. Yeah. Like I think I would have, I don't know if I'd have stopped. Well, you would have done your trade. Oh, and I knew it was low too. When you said 17 and a half, I'd have been like, Joe, why did you go 17 and a half? Because I would have said, I would have talked to you into 10 points higher maybe. Um, but, uh, but I didn't talk you into anything on that stupid thing because you did something you don't normally do, and then we learned a lot. So, right. so it's all good in the end. And again, you could you know you could have the next Tesla, right? You and you know what? The day after, you know what's so hard about that is the day after that happens. Like you knew what the right thing to do was, and I didn't do it. That's why the risk management is so important, right? And and what I'm thinking about this that you kind of touched on before um, is that I think there are principles that like people in the military have learned that are really valuable in all types of vocational settings. Right. Right. And I think trading is going to be a great one uh, to, to test this theory and see if it's possible. So I'll give you an example and it's law enforcement related, not military. Um, so when, if you've ever watched any police chase or these police shows on Hollywood and on TV, you see cars flying, you know, it's the classic, you know, Police chase. But in reality, most well-trained police departments, if they end up in a high-speed chase, there's somebody in uh, – there's a senior leader, whether it's the uh, you know shift sergeant or shift leader or captain or whomever. There's somebody in the hierarchy of the patrol where the patrolmen are out and they're like, hey, we got a high-speed chase, stolen car, whatever, right? And they're, they're – you know, high-speed chase. Well, that high-speed chase brings a lot of danger not only to the off the officers, the person that's trying to evade, you know, justice, but also everyone in and around, you know, the folks that are just driving up and down Route 8 or up and down Route 91 or Main Street. And so the police are very careful typically about how they pursue. And what they typically do – I've seen this happen in LA. I've seen it happen here in Akron – friends of mine in law enforcement, they have somebody that will position themselves and they stop. They do not participate in the chase and they listen. They listen to see all here. Police officers will say, I'm in the right lane. You know, they'll, they'll call out their location, their speed. 
and the conditions around them. And essentially, that person that is not engaged in the chase, so their heart rate is down, they're listening to the voices of those officers. They're listening to the conditions around those officers, light traffic, no traffic, heavy traffic, time of day. Um, They're listening to the elevation of pitch in that officer's voice because the adrenaline's flowing. And and they're understanding where, okay, Akron police officer, police captain, they know where you're heading towards Hoban High School or you're heading north towards – uh, you know, the Chapel Hill area or you're getting Danger, off at North Hill. Yeah. Like, like well, those are smaller uh, neighborhoods with kids in the streets. Um, and, and they will literally call off that high-speed chase. They're the risk manager. So the point of th- to bring it, to Full paint circle. that picture yeah. is having somebody, you're excited about CCIV. I'm going to have the next, next Tesla, yeah, right. right? And like, you, you know, your eyes start getting big. And as a guy that's an experienced market maker – who who got pickpocketed by somebody in your old job on this thing through that stupid pipe bullshit, <laughs> right? Is the value of the market makers market makers club is to have that additional risk management people that we trust looking over our shoulders and um, and it's funny because there's what does that take? It takes a lot of honesty, it takes a lot of training, and it takes a lot of trust. For us to say, like, why well, trust Rick's opinion on this? And maybe you should ignore it sometimes too, mm-hmm. right? And and you know, we know this from people we've worked with and students we've they're in in the different tracks that like this ain't for everybody. I don't trust everybody yeah, right. in the group, but like I know how to find my Fab Five, Charles Barkley Fab yeah, Five right. that I want that I know I'm willing. You can to go to them to. And, and and right and like you're respecting them. They're a mentor. You're mentoring them exactly. Right? Exactly. And you know, another example that I saw with the police when, when that happens is during these riots. Like usually, I think in New York City, they had like a white shirted police officer, which was like a higher ranking officer. And then they had like blue shirted ones that was dealing with the crowds. And then they would bring up someone out of the crowd that was like needed something. And then the guy in the white shirt would make the decision, not the guy in the blue shirt. And like, so they have like, they had these clusters where they'd bring like uh, people that were in the crowd that were causing trouble. And then they, the, the officer that was the arresting officer wasn't making the decision. A more senior officer was making the decision, and that might be like a way of risk management too, or something like that. Yeah, there's. Know. It's always about that, you know. And the riots. I mean, that's you know, this past year has been rough, and and it's you know, that's a hard job, you right. know. And and uh, you know, I got a variety of opinions about how law enforcement um, is or isn't appreciated in our country, and and the need that we have for it, and you know the. The, the mistakes that sometimes can happen in when, when you're trying to keep the peace and, and keep justice in the country. So I like, I, I, you know, I get it all, I think. Um, but just, I know that it's always about risk management. Um, and, and, and it's an, just an example of, you know, we have similar examples in the military and, but the thing in the military is, is like, if you're the SF, you're the team on the ground, it's re- you don't know what the hell you, well, 12 strong movie. Great example. The team leader at the time, they and there's a scene in the movie. It's a great scene, and it happened. Uh, they get an email. Hey, Captain, when are you going to get off your ass and get – like, let's go. And it came from Secretary Rumsfeld, Secretary of Defense. I got some SF team in the middle of the mountains in northern Afghanistan. When are you guys going to start – Counterpunching or whatever. Counterpunching, throwing bombs at the Taliban. Like, what's up? And uh, Mark Nooch emailed back and said – Sir, let me apprise you of the situation on the ground. And it's like that—that's guts, right? You know, you're just you're a captain, and you're telling the sec def like, 
I'm just going to tell you what's going on, <laughs> sir. Sir, like, this is you the know, way that that's, we... there, there's a subtle like you don't know what you're talking about, and so and and then that part of that email becomes a speech that Rumsfeld gives like the next day or day after, like somewhere within the following week, and he's reading from that email from my buddy Mark. That said, you know, we've got guys. We're we're on horseback. We're using horses against tanks. Um, they're delighted we're here. That America's leaned into this, and 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 it's a great speech that Rumsfeld gets that he gives to them that the whole country listens in on. And it's like we're back. We're fighting the enemy that just attacked our our country, right? And um, but it's that's an example of the flip side where you have somebody that's so detached from what's going on that they're going to tell you like. Well, you don't know what's going on on the ground. So, so, and, and, you know, that's a different example of like where people want to tell you, well, why were you guys in that high speed chase? Or you should do it this way. Well, you don't even know what my job is. So why was I, why was I in CCIV? I have no idea, but you know what? I've learned a lot and I think SPACs are still interesting, but I did learn the term pipe investing about two days before it, I actually got piped. But would you have known that? Like, is there a way that we could have found that out? I'm not sure. You know what? I don't know. And it would have been going over my head. Somebody knew. Yeah. Somebody knew. I mean, people knew. But this is, and this is a small community. The guy that priced the uh, 17 and a half foot knew. So, um, yeah. No, uh, and and so definitely, uh, this has been fun, right? Yeah, I for mean, sure. we've been doing it, and and we're growing here at the Market Makers Club. We do have an Instagram account now, so check us out on Instagram. Please like, share, and review the podcast. And you know, I just want to thank you for hanging with us, listener. And then Rick, I also want to thank you. Oh, for sure, man. This is great, and you know, it's so funny. Like this is is so fun, and. But it's everything that I can't stand doing. Like you know, like it's, right. Like it, it's when we came in today. Hey Joe, you have an Instagram account, you know that? And you're like, what's an I Instagram? do? I don't know what. It, what? Like it's just, it's it's fun to be stupid, right? Right. <laughs> no, and we are trying to do this live and uncut, right? So we do make some mistakes. Clearly. We do make some mistakes. All my numbers might be wrong, but where I am trying to drive you, this is just for informational purposes, right? I'm trying to drive you to a spot where you can be a part of a community where you can actually learn how to master some of these things that we're talking about. So please look out for our next episode, like, review, share the podcast, and we'll see you next week. 